Hi, I'm Natalie Bouchard, and you're listening to Inside NC Labor, a podcast designed to inform and educate North Carolina citizens on the role that the Department of Labor plays in state government. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Inside NC Labor. Today we are going to talk about one of the most dangerous summertime workplace hazards, and that is hot and humid weather. And we have a special guest, Hollis Yelverton. Hollis, why don't you just kick it off today and tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, great. I'm so happy to be here today to talk about heat with you. So I'm Hollis Yelverton, and I am the standard supervisor in the OSH division. We are part of the Education, Training, and Technical Assistance Bureau. So we provide a lot of technical assistance and information about the OSHA standards for employers and employees around the state. My staff get a lot of phone calls and emails and requests through the website with questions about how the OSHA standards apply to them and what employers need to do to protect their employees. And I have to say, before we move along from that, that is such a great service that we provide because employers can call and get answers to those very complicated standards that are out there if you ever see our standards books they're they're complicated if you haven't called before and you're listening make a note it's it's something you can do it's a free service we provide yeah that'd be great we have um, people that are answering the phones every day eight to five we have emails and you can submit questions through the web as well so how long have you been with the department I've been here over 12 years now, so I started over in compliance and did OSHA compliance. Then I went over to the training group and taught classes, and now I'm over in the standards section offering more technical assistance. Great. So do you want to just talk a little bit about an overview of heat stress and the hazards associated with it? Yeah, sure. This is definitely the time of year we start to get a lot of questions related to heat, and we can get it from pretty much anybody around the state. So we often think of outdoor work, agriculture, construction, that type of thing where people are exposed to heat, but really we have a lot more environments than that in the state. So we've got places that, you know, maybe it's a large warehouse that's not air conditioned and in the summer gets extremely hot, or we might have working conditions where there's actually heat produced as part of the process. So laundromats or dry cleaners, bakeries, Um, that type of thing, or any type of operation that's got big ovens or furnaces, they often get really hot. So we get a lot of questions this time of year on what employers are required to do, what employees can do to keep safe. A lot of ways that people are exposed to heat, you know, we, we often think of temperature, but Dolores mentioned humidity. And so those are some key things that we think about. So when we're looking at exposure to heat and kind of what some of those risk factors are, you know, we're looking at environmental things like temperature and humidity. That's how kind of the heat index is calculated. So you guys heard of the heat index? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you see it on the news. It's based on how the heat feels to us. So our bodies, you know, of course, are trying to cool themselves and we produce sweat and then that evaporates and helps us cool off. Well, when it's really humid and we have all that moisture in the air, of course, that doesn't happen as effectively. So we can feel a lot hotter when we've got all that humidity. So we look at things like that. And then there's also risk factors that people kind of bring with them to work. So you've got age, you've got body shape, you've got physical fitness, and all that kind of fits in together to increase people's susceptibility to heat-related illness. There's medical conditions like high blood pressure. Even sunburn can reduce the body's ability to kind of regulate its heat. So yeah, so there's a lot of things out there 
that might increase someone's risk factors, even just using um, prescription drugs or illegal drugs, um, alcohol, even caffeine can affect the body's mm. ability. So we look at a lot of these. Because I guess that dehydrates you, and dehydration right. is one of the first signs, I believe. Right. So you want your body to be kind of working as well as it can, to be sweating and kind mm-hmm. of reducing the heat within the body. And so anything that would affect the body's ability to do that, like if you don't have enough hydration for sure, or if your body's just not effectively reducing that heat for whatever reason that might be you know particular to to that person all that can increase the risk of having a heat related illness what are some examples of a heat related illness yeah so some of the really i guess the milder end would be heat rash that you might have heard of um heat cramps and then we start getting into the more serious ones so heat exhaustion heat stroke and heat stroke is the one that's life-threatening and that's the one of course that we're most worried about but heat exhaustion kind of leads to that point as well that's when the body is starting to have a very difficult time managing that heat you're exposed to heat externally from the environment that you're in and then your body is also producing heat based on physical labor or uh, the workload and the tasks that you're doing. And when it gets to that point where the body can't balance that anymore and can't stay cool enough, then that's when we start to see these problems. For heat exhaustion, one of the things that we see is the body is trying its best to cool itself. The blood is just rushing to the skin. It's kind of pooling in the skin. It's trying to keep cool and evaporate. And all that blood is coming away from the brain. So then you might start to experience some of these things like feeling faint or dizzy. People feel nauseous. They have headaches, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. They're very tired. That would kind of be the signs of heat exhaustion. And then if that's not taken care of, then the body just starts to shut down and it can't reduce that heat anymore. That's when we start to get into heat stroke. And the symptoms of that are hot, dry skin. So you imagine the body has stopped sweating at that point Mm -hmm. and it gets really dangerous and that's when you have to get immediate medical help so it would make sense like in the heat of the day to not do the heaviest work right maybe right right like so plan your days can you share some of those things yeah sure so looking at the work schedule so again you'd be looking at if you want to look at think about it from the heat index standpoint then you're looking at times of the day that might have less temperature, less humidity. But early morning work, evening work, night work if that's possible, working in the shade, doing some sort of job rotation. So you think of the more strenuous tasks that people have to do, make sure that those strenuous tasks are done at the cooler times of the day or that you space those out between the people that that are working. And one thing that's really important to think about, and this is one of the factors that affects people individually, and that's how used to the heat that they are. Um, We call it acclimatized, so how acclimated to the heat that they are. And what we see is that many times the people who are getting this heat-related illness are really new to the job, or they've been on a break for a while, and then they come back to the job. California OSHA, Cal OSHA did a study about 10 years ago, they looked at 25 workers, and half of those workers were on their first day of the job. Um, And then 80% of those workers, it was just within their first four days of the job. Mm -hmm. Bringing workers up to speed to be able to handle that Mm -hmm. physical load and and be in the heat is important. 
and adjusting to the humidity because it's right. It can be so humid. Right. Absolutely. Right. Heat index looks at all that together to kind of determine um, the risk of mm-hmm. what an employee might have. Heat index is something that's easy for us to see. They talk about it on the news. Mm-hmm. It's put out by NOAA. There also is equipment that employers could use. Um, we use it internally when we're investigating um, conditions at a workplace. And it measures what's called um, the wet bulb globe temperature. And that also takes in what we call the radiant heat load. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at heat index, they're actually considering that in a shady environment with a light breeze. Of course, we know that that's not the Mm -hmm. case all the time. If someone is working in the direct heat of the sun, it can actually add 15 degrees to the heat index. So these measurements will actually give a more accurate representation of what people are exposed to. The heat index is something that's kind of readily available to employers. They can look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, They can figure out kind of these days that are higher risk. Mm -hmm. And OSHA, federal OSHA, on their website has some information related to the categories of what they would consider a low risk, a moderate risk, a high risk, or very high risk. And they look at heat index as kind of like ranges for those categories. And then they add in maybe some different recommendations for employers Mm -hmm. to do based on what the heat index would be for that day. That is really helpful. Mm -hmm. So going back to the symptoms that you mentioned a little earlier, Mm -hmm. what can be done to treat employees that are showing those signs? The first thing to do would be to get them to a cooler area if that's possible. Um, Bring them into the shade or maybe there's a breeze or even an air-conditioned area that you could bring them. We, we're talking about bringing down the heat within the body. So if somebody, if it's earlier on, maybe it's heat exhaustion and someone is starting to maybe just feel a little bit bad to start with, and you might want to give them some more fluids. You know, you're talking water mainly, um, cool fluids. You can use any sort of cool rag or ice to try to cool the body down. Of course, if they're exhibiting any signs of heat stroke, you need to call for medical attention because that could be extremely life-threatening mm-hmm. when the body starts to shut down. It's very scary. Those are some resources. Is there anything else that employers can do to kind of protect their workers? In North Carolina and in federal OSHA too, for that matter, we don't have any specific regulations or standards for controlling heat heat stress in in the work environment. We get a lot of questions about that. What does my employer have to do? do? Right. And actually a lot of our questions come from employees who work in typically climate controlled areas. So they're working in an office and the air conditioner's broken and now they want to know what to do. I think people kind of have an expectation Mm -hmm. if they work outside that they're going to be exposed to heat, but we get Mm -hmm. some of those questions from even people who work in offices too. Because we don't have a standard on this, then we have a lot of different guidelines that we recommend for employers to follow. Um, because the general duty clause, and you may have heard of that, it's mm-hmm. it's a standard that requires employers to provide a workplace that's free of any recognized hazard that could cause a serious injury, like one of these heat-related illnesses, or of course death in the workplace. And so we want to avoid that. Many of the recommendations and guidelines that we follow when we're assessing workplaces are things that employers can follow as well. We'd like for employers to develop a plan for how they're going to handle heat in their company and how they're going to handle heat stress. All these items that I'll I'll kind of overview next, those would be things that they would have in their plan. One of the number one items is to train employees. So they need to know what to look for, what would be some of the risk factors for heat-related illness, 
what they can look for in terms of symptoms in themselves and others, what they can do to protect themselves, how much water to drink, where the water is, where to take breaks, that kind of thing. Speaking of water, we want to make sure that employers have an adequate supply of drinking water. Depending on the heat index and the workload, you know, the amount of water that people drink can change too. Ideally, we'd want the water to be cool, so they're cooling their body off at the same time that they're drinking it, and we want to make sure that employees understand how important hydration is. We talked a little bit earlier about having some sort of recovery area, so some place that they can take a break. So it can be shaded, it can be cooled in some sort of way. Some employers set up shade canopies or tents where people can take breaks. If they can't do that over the work where they're actually performing work, I mean, that'd be great too, as long as they have an area where people can try to cool off. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, we have some work that's done in large warehouses where it's not air conditioned, but they might have an air conditioned break room where people can go and take a break. That's important. We talked about acclimatization. So setting up a program where you're slowly introducing people to heat and making sure that you're only assigning those really strenuous work activities to people who are truly acclimated and you try to rotate some of those strenuous tasks around. We talked a lot about the work schedules and the break schedules, Mm -hmm. you know, around Mm -hmm. different times of the day that would be less hot and less risky in that particular case. We also want there to be in the training when people are learning how to monitor for heat stress related signs and symptoms. Sometimes people also want to set up a buddy system. Okay, you two are working over on this part of the site or in this part of the building. Keep an eye out for each other and look out for any signs and symptoms Mm -hmm. and how to report that and kind of having that culture where people feel like they can take a break and and keep each other safe. And pay attention. They need to pay attention to how they feel and seek help if they... Absolutely. And take it seriously. Absolutely. And we're getting ready to hit the 100-degree temperatures in North Carolina, apparently. Right. All that on the news coming up here. So right. right. This is perfect timing to be talking about this. Um, I know that in the past we've had a lot of education and training. We have information on our website. We Social media, we always are putting tips out this time of the year. Anything specifically you'd like to add? We do have a lot of resources here at the Department of Labor um, on the OSH side within the Education Training and Technical Assistance Bureau. We have our training group, so there are regularly scheduled training courses like the webinars. Um, We have webinars on heat stress a lot through this time of year, and by checking on the website on the online calendar, people can see when those courses are scheduled. Our trainers will also come out and provide training to employers. If an employer is interested in having a trainer come out and do an overview of heat stress and things that they can do to protect themselves and their staff or teach the, the staff the signs and symptoms to look for, they can just fill out what we call our outreach request form online and they could request training. And then we have a lot of materials that are out there on the website for people to use. So we've got a safety and health topic page on heat where people can find publications that we've written about heat. There's a PowerPoint out there that people can use to train their employees about heat. We've got different links to different materials that we have out there that would help employers to provide a safe workplace. And then I would also recommend our Consultative Services Bureau. I mentioned earlier that there's equipment that can be used to measure uh, the heat environment and they can do that for employees and employers. They can look at the employer's 
heat program and see if it has all the elements that we would be recommending and in make, that particular and, yeah, case. Yeah, and make adjustments if needed. Yeah, absolutely. One other resource that's helpful is Federal OSHA's website, um, www.osha.gov, and through their website, there are lots of different great different resources. And one of the ones that's that they mention on their website is an app for smartphones that's related to heat safety. And it covers a lot of what we covered today. When you plug in the location where you are, it will calculate the heat index based on the temperature and humidity. It goes into the signs and symptoms of different heat-related illnesses. It goes into some of the treatment techniques for those. And then based on what the heat index is, their recommendations for different things that the employers can do to protect the employees. So it's really great to have it just on your phone Mm -hmm. and be able to have access to that at any time. So I know a social media campaign that OSHA kind of started maybe a few years ago is the water rest shade, and I think that's a great thing to remember. Right, absolutely. Taking a break and cooling down and staying hydrated are three easy ways for people to reduce their risk of heat-related illness. Well, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in, y'all. Remember, your safety is our priority.